Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. All right, hey, welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Podcast number, what, what is this, like 48? Hard to believe. Uh, yeah, coming up on a year. Haven't been fired yet. <laughs> and we're so glad you're here. free talent. That's right, yeah, you're, we're going to cut your pay in half. What's uh, half a zero? Okay, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church. We're in the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship for men's class in Sugarland, Texas. And if you're not sure where that is, uh, the second largest state in the nation, Houston is down in the southeast corner, and we're on the southwest side of Houston. And if you're ever I hear in town. Familiar huh? I hear a familiar sound. Oh. Oh, no way, the hey, professor. Hey, hey, hey. The professor rolled in, and we're just here we doing, the, you were doing the uh, open. <laughs> and see, that's right. We're kind of a uh, uh, open door kind of place. So if you want to join us here, oh, 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 you can join on Sunday. And what we do is we go over the lesson for the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship class, and then we talk about it more in depth on the podcast that's recorded Wednesday. And you're certainly to come either time. If you want more information on Man Up, we have a Facebook page that's Man-Up. You can also find us. You might have found us on iTunes, and we're also on SoundCloud as well. What we do is we go over a lesson, and this is an oasis for men. We're just regular guys. We're not pastors, but we're just trying to make our lives better. And we stumbled onto this uh, this great study that we're in the middle of, uh, Six Battles Every Man Must Win. Recommended, it's by Bill Perkins, recommended by uh, Kyle Trahan, our deacon, who will be moderating uh, this uh, tonight, which is perfect because I came from work and I left my book at home and I didn't read it anyway. So like most of you guys out there, you'll be totally unprepared, <laughs> just like me, and it will be an awesome experience because you're you're going to be taught a lot. So, just want to uh, introduce the panel. I'll introduce them first, and then I will let them uh, talk a little bit about the lesson, and then it'll be moderated by uh, our deacon Kyle Trahan. And to my left, but probably your right, if you're listening on radio or computer, we call him the professor. He is a trainer for a fortune. 100 company, and if he keeps training, they might be a Fortune 2 company before too long. He's the professor. Robert Koshu is here. Um, also, our resident policy writer. We, I, I kind of consider him an intellectual, and uh, but he's also a professional gambler, which you don't run into very often, and uh, that's Mr. Steve Titch is here. Uh, we also have an attorney. Can't do, have anything go on without an attorney present. But he's also a prosecutor, so we we could get defended and prosecuted by the same guy, that's Mr. Right. Michael Cropper. Especially gamblers. Especially gamblers. That's right. He's already he's reconciled the name of this lesson, Bill. With we, our we've, been, we've been going for five minutes, and he's finally and he's already got a client. So, uh, and uh, and of course our deacon, he's an insurance guy, uh, a, a great guy. 
uh, and he turned us on to the study, uh, Kyle Trahan. So I'll go around the room and get the guys their impression of this study, and then we'll turn it over to Kyle. Uh, Robert Koshu, have you uh, read the list? I, I have semi-read. Okay. Uh, but it, I, I, I'll let the guys introduce us. Let me. I have been the MIA panel member, and this is kind of a guy thing. So um, all of us have mothers. Right. Bill recently dealt with his parents. And okay. where I have been, just so everybody knows, I have actually been in the process of handling a crisis with my mom and mm -hmm. moving her into an independent living facility. Assisted in, living. Uh, actually, hers is independent. Hers is independent. She, wow. They provide two meals a day uh -huh. for her. They do once a week linen service and cleaning, okay. but she doesn't have... Like no meds, none of that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. But okay. kind of someone there, concierge. But I have been dealing with that and been, been kind of interesting. I've really been depressed because out of everything we've been doing, this is the one thing I was looking so forward to. Right, right. <laughs> and then I haven't made it until now. Right, well. And I have been following along on SoundCloud and listening every week. And, you know, there have been some great discussions on this. So if this is the first time you've ever found us, um, I want to encourage you. I had the unique experience of being a listener for several weeks and really, really enjoyed the back and forth and the talk. So really looking forward to this one. This is this has been a great study. And great you know, Kyle, I, I can't say enough for the recommendation for this. Right. Excellent. And uh, Steve Titch, introduce yourself and <clears throat> well, hello everybody again. Um I'll just simply say the the, the title of this uh, chapter of Battle Two, of course, of the of the six battles every man should win is fight for personal holiness. Uh, and I'll just begin by saying the word holiness, you don't hear it that much applied to your spiritual living. You come to church, they, of course, they talk about the Holy Spirit. You may hear the word in hymns, but often we hear purity or cleanliness. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I'm glad in this, in this chapter we get to really uh, look at what what holiness is, and, and, and really what it is and how it's different from, from other adjectives you'd hear bandy around church. Right. Excellent. Excellent. And once again, Michael Cropper. Uh, Steve brought out a good point. It's good to be here, folks, uh, with the guys. Um, it's a great lesson. Uh, we looked at it on Sunday morning. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though Bill uh, did not read the lesson, he that didn't stop him <laughs> from terrible. talking. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, the lesson itself is great. You, right. I don't know that you have to read it, folks, to participate in it. It's that good right. on holiness. Uh, the one thing the uh, author pointed out, and uh, I, I I look at it, it's so uh, so prolific to me, is that you know you can't touch holiness. You cannot touch light, right? You cannot touch sin. You can do it or get the evidence of it and the perfects of it. And he made that. And that, to me, is profound. Maybe we'll get into that a little later. But what, we'll look, what we're going to look at, the practical effects of all of them. And, and as Steve mentioned, the holiness, of the, uh, the title of this chapter is so good. Excellent. And Kyle Trahan, who uh, recommended this book. Take it away, Kyle. You know, I said on Sunday, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of these guys aren't in our Sunday. But, uh, you know, this was my hardest chapter to write out of this whole book, you know, just because of the way I was raised and, you know, I'm still to me an, an infant of learning the Bible and knowing how to rely on God and Jesus and every aspect and, and all of that in your life. And, you know, if you look at my, my lesson notes, 
I wrote this little part. And then I finished writing the rest of all of them, and I came back and I wrote the rest. You Which know, is just four lines. I'm looking at. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. right. I, 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 and yeah, the first one, the first one is name. Like three and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> first, well, well, the first part is oh, lesson. You know, lesson six, chapter five. Yeah, lesson that's that's yeah. line one. Right. Exactly. And you know, so it really was a difficult chapter and, and lesson for me to to understand. Even even today, you know, having written what I did, it, it's still you know one of the ones in the parts in my life that still eludes me if you will you know um, but when we go to the book anyway that that first part that I wrote it was kinda easy he talks about the ermine um, the ermine I just posted some pictures on Facebook so everybody else can see as well uh, and I know you guys were out if you didn't uh, look it up he says you know you had to google it that's the ermine looks kinda like a little brown ferret more or less yeah, to me um, and that's during <laughs> the summer for this for this little brown critter, and uh, he's kind of cute, but in the winter, for whatever instinctive purpose, he changes his coat. Oh wow! And he becomes, oh sorry, brilliant white with a little black tail. Oh, oh, the tail, yeah. Okay, that's intriguing. The the last photo that I have is King George III in his royal garments, and. They would line their coats and their jackets and all of this with the ermine fur from winter time anyway, because it's just beautiful, pristine white. And they always got it during the winter, so they'd have the white. So they'd always have the yeah. white, exactly. Yeah, they'd have to, yeah. The ermine is a very interesting critter. I don't know what he does during the summer, but in the winter, when he is this stark, beautiful white, they live in burrows, okay? What the hunters of this little critter figured out is that during the winter, when he is stark white, he will fight to the death before going into his hole that has been soiled. So the hunters will go in and they'll throw just garbage and trash and debris into his hole and he runs up to it and he looks in and he goes, oh hell no, I'm not gonna defile my coat. And he will turn around and fight whatever's there, the dog, the hunter, he will not go in, which is just such an interesting thing, you know, and especially when we get into today's society, you know, where uh, there's so many ways to defile yourself, you know, um, it's so easy, we're in a secular world. You know? yeah, do you mind if I mention something? No, in the Old Testament, we've heard the term cleanliness is next to godliness, right? <laughs> you go back to the Old Testament, and I suspect they get that from Leviticus and Numbers, how... Right. How the priests had to go with extremely. Well, there was a there was a very ritualistic yes. sense of washing yourself uh-huh. and preparing Absolutely. yourself in service, and it really does. Come a- from Absolutely, there. and I mean, you you couldn't just instantly wash your hands and be clean. Mm-hmm. You had to go through a process of cleaning. Uh, pardon me, a process of cleansing. Before, if especially if you're a Levite priest or a minister um, back then. But anyway, that's what it reminds me of because it, the the ermine will not. He'll, he'll like Kyle says he will he will fight to keep his garments holy or clean. And uh, anyway, see that's what I like about this thought. story. I like the fighting part. <laughs> you know, I mean that's totally man, and that gets totally glossed over mm-hmm. in the church. You know, mm-hmm. um, but but it's it's fighting for a righteous cause. 
in fighting for something that's righteous. And and even and, and everybody we always laugh because we have this picture of Jesus has been you know, I, I read Rebecca Manley Pippert's Out of the Soul Shaker and Into the World back when I was in college. And for those of us that grew up in the right time of the in the right age, Jesus was described as the guy with the um, wing shampoo poofed hair the with the Jesus. perfect beard. <laughs> the clean you know, hippie Jesus. Yeah, the clean yeah. hippie yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. You know, with, wow. but, 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 but that kind of He's the one that wears the Birkenstock. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. But, <laughs> the, who, with hair like right. Fabio. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. but very, and, very, <laughs> and very meek and very mild. And you have to love. You have to love thy neighbor. Right. But that's the same Jesus that goes into the temple yes. and and you have to understand where he went was the part of the temple where there was money changers in the it was the court of the Gentiles so it was literally where the Gentiles could worship and set up their money changers Interesting. and he grabs through grabs a whip, throws them and I mean he, he just lays into them you know, or the same Jesus who when he gets presented with the you know, the Pharisees try to trap him with the well, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he goes, do you have a coin? <laughs> and, and by the way, my totally favorite story of Jesus because the Pharisee goes, why, yes, I do. <laughs> and oh, by the way, here's the best part about it. That coin, because Jesus then looks at him and said, and whose image is on this coin? And the Pharisee goes, Caesar's. <laughs> And then Jesus goes, you know, of course, the famous answer, we'll give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God. The little tricky part of that is the Pharisee was violating Pharisaical law by having the coin in his pocket because it had a graven image of Caesar on the coin. (laughs) You know, it's not this meek, mild. We, We often confuse masculinity and strength with violence or what, or we confuse weak and mild with being effeminate. Mm-hmm. And and in reality, when they're taken in context and in the in the thing of Jesus, and in reality is there is a point in time when you have to battle. And I, that's what I don't know. This I, mean, is, just, I don't want to get too yeah, uh, that, yeah. That whole meek and mild thing, I'm trying to think back. I don't think there's I can't think of anywhere in any of the four Gospels where Jesus is meek and mild. I mean, there's that, let the children come unto me. But, you know, if you read the scene, they're kind of mobbing them. And like like good adults, they're saying, kids, get away. And he says, no, no, let them them come. But 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 you don't see him being kind of... made of of it. And I think he talked about it in one of the earlier chapters where the church has, has women became more prominent in the church. We adopted that. Has has mm-hmm. our church culture, and so we've kind of mixed it up a little bit. And that's the whole idea yeah. behind this mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. to put yeah. a little more man, <laughs> put a little more man in there. We're slightly off on topic, but yeah. to chime in on this, you know, I don't see Jesus as this little dude either. <laughs> oh no, he's a carpenter, right? You know, my dad was a new home builder. Mm-hmm. I've been around a lot of carpenters. And yes, there are a couple that have the gut and, you know, waddle around the yard. But most of these guys are very fit, very nimble, can, you know, uh, walk across 
you know, joists and everything and stuff. carrying stuff, stuff and, yep. and had, had the balance. He had calluses on his head. He had calluses. <laughs> when he oh, went yeah. in there and he started throwing crap around, people are going, this guy's about to whoop my butt. Because he could. Right. You know, and most of the pictures that we get of Jesus are that very gentle, <laughs> you know, but he has the long flowing robe. Yeah. You know, you can't see any of those muscles under the long flowing robe. He's not wearing spandex. <laughs> you know? I, I've got a friend of mine. He's wearing a shirt like mine. You know, just a regular old knit shirt. The guy does like 300 sit-ups a day and a couple of hundred push-ups. The guy is so cut, it's amazing. I mean, you know, all of us... You know, Stop talking about me like that. Uh, yeah, all right. But, you know, the thing is that you never realize right. it because of the clothes. Right, And, right. you know, so the picture that we've always seen of Jesus is always wearing right. that. Okay, continue with holiness. Yes. So, you know, I wrote down just, you know, again, it was a difficult lesson for me, so I went back and looked at the definition. And so holiness is defined as the state of being holy. Uh, yeah, uh, right. a life of holiness a and total devotion to God is what it followed through with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as the book, he also went into a, another interesting segment: um, close encounters with God, is what he, he titled that little segment of his. And of course, he referenced the 1977 Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters with the Third Kind, of the Third Kind. And he, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know, you got the alien vessel coming down and, and everything and all these lights and just very mesmerizing. Everybody's very intrigued. And then it finally lands and the door opens up and there's just, you know, the little ramp comes down and this bright white light. And he says, you know, I just wanted to run up the thing and find out who's there. And, you know, to me, it, it goes back that whole thought process goes back to the man's search for significance. Mm -hmm. You know, we are always looking for something that explains our own existence or even trying to just find something bigger <coughs> than ourselves. You know, and, and I so got that reference of wanting to run up the ramp. I kind of remember that myself. You know, of, ooh, what's about to pop out of the light? Well, that just makes you want to run up it. You know, so I, I solely... Got it, you know. Well, and, and I like, and I'll, I will need help on pages because it's man up, but my wife did force me to go to Kindle because I had too many books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, in, the pay, in the book, it talks about, about God's holiness being more than just separate. It's also transcendent, which is going beyond ordinary limits, surpassing or exceeding, and that God is above and beyond all of his creation. And then it talks about so how does this holiness of God relate to evil? Remember, we're engaged in a war between good and evil, between a holy God and an unholy army of demons, between servants of God and enemies of God. Nobody is neutral in this conflict. And I, that, yeah. I feel that holiness for me, anyway, <clears throat> is not a destination, but it's a journey. It's a no. journey of being holy and working on it myself, working through my faith as I live my life. Whether I ever um, experience holiness, I suspect it will be in a moment 
or it'll be a fleeting moment where where it comes together and I just feel holy. But but continually, it's my quest. It's the way I walk. It, it's not. It's not it, that all of a sudden I'm holy. No, I don't. Well, I don't no, see although that. To, although to just maybe take that challenge that a bit. The way the way he sets up. The author is. The author right. seems to think it's right. more than that because it's a, it's a bat, there's a battle for your identity, which you right. have. There's right. a battle for your family, which you, you have. Mm-hmm. It seems that, at least as far as the author goes, holiness is something we either should have or have so we can defend it. I mean, it is, it is something, it is, a, it is a characteristic that we have as men have access to. It, well, it's okay. a characteristic <laughs> that, that, to kind of tie those two strands together. Because they do tie together. With me, it'd be independence. It'd be defending my independent way of living holy okay. and continually I, trying. I, I, so that, that would be, uh, be resistant. I'm not necessarily fighting off. The, well, maybe, maybe fighting off the forces. But typically what happens is just try to stay independent with my holiness, my righteousness on my path of faith. See, I think it's both what y'all both said. Because as Steve said, it's something where we strive to be and it's a characteristic we had. You talk about it as something we work towards. We work towards it because only God is holy. And only Jesus was holy. So we're never there. So for us, it's a struggle to maintain to get to there. And so it goes into your statement, Bill, about our faith is a muscle that we have to exercise. Okay. Yes, and it, yeah, and, I absolutely and, and agree with that. And I absolutely agree with that. Well, I think when you ask forgiveness of your sins, yes, I think you're made holy again. He, he agreed yes. you instantly because you, sometimes you can sense it, guys. Right? right. You can Correct. sense oh, it. Yeah. When you're doing the will, Lord. But then we want to try to learn to continually live holy, which is what you said, which with exactly what the author right. says. He says you come holy when you give your life to the Lord. And then you learn to live yes. Which is yes. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. All you guys yes. are saying. Right. So right. it's two different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We constantly mm-hmm. strive for that. How do how can we live holy? Or live in a, a, do things that are holy. Right. right. Yeah. Good As we move forward. You know, some of my notes, uh, you know, tying in with that very thought process is you know, understanding God. That means it's a process. Because we're never gonna fully understand God. You know? Well, and and here's the examples that we get. The stories are totally different, and they mean different things to me when I'm a teenager and now when I'm in my 50s. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I look at different characters in it. You know, uh, it means different. The stories are the same, but the meaning and what I take out of it, totally different. Well, I mean, you can even read things, you know, uh, a year from now and read it in an entirely different way. I've read this book a couple of times over you know the last several years. And it's the same thing. There's different I see That's different right. ink marks and you know over the same darn pages. Right. You know, just different things jump out at you and hit you at different times of your life or different moments even of a day uh, when you read it. You know, but uh, you know as, as men understanding God and, and the supreme being creator of all, right? Uh, giver of life would be our greatest achievement. I mean, uh, I, I can't think of anything better in our human existence of being able to understand God. You know. Well, uh, you brought you brought up a point, and again, Robert brought up a point. He said, where the author says God's holiness is more than just separate; it's transcendent. Um, and the author uses the Son to compare 
yes. God's holiness. I can understand. I can understand that that and also the magnets which you brought up in class. The the fact that the sun you cannot get darkness anywhere near the sun. I mean, it's it's it, it's impossible. It cannot get near the sun. The sun is so bright, and if you use that or compare it to God's holiness, evil or sin cannot get near God. I mean, it just it can't. And and the author uses the example that he repels God's holiness is so un un uncomprehensible that that he repels evil itself and he repels sin much like two magnets, the opposite poles of two magnets. If you put them up together, they pop apart and keep, you cannot force them together. Um, anyway, I thought that, that was real neat. So it, it's hard to understand what holiness is because it's, it's beyond us. Unless, and the only closest comparison we can have is a magnet or looking at the sun itself. I think we have to look at the situations that uh, are happening to us and what can be holy or what we can do that is holy in that situation. Take, for example, my son. He uh, uh, won a baseball championship in Little League. And I told him, I go, Andrew, that is awesome. He goes, yeah, Dad, but it's not the, it's not the big leagues. Dude, it's the championship. <laughs> you beat all your competition. You beat who was in your division. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. Sometimes we want to leap over a couple of fences, up a couple of divisions, slay the dragon over there, two counties over, and that's the only way we feel we will be fulfilled as opposed with defending what's important in our own area. Yeah. We keep wishing for something else. Just stop it. Just do, take care of your own right here and then go from there. It's like the people who, who climb Mount Everest, right? That they have had set a goal for Mount Everest and, and, and many, many people die climbing. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. It's, Once they do it, they come back down. Their goal is to climb it again, right? And then they some of them die the second time instead of being just happy with what they did, right? Well, what you're saying, you set a goal and you reach it. Be happy with what you've got. Be be happy with learn to live, learn to live with what you have because it's. And he talks about it at the very end that that part of our masculinity is not found really in searching for the base power of greed, money, sex. Oh, absolutely. But it's found in the other things and learning to yeah. be happy with those other things yeah. and yeah. settling in because that does help us as we approach this thought of holiness. Because holiness, it, and, and I think Kyle said it, a secular society, and this is something, man, there has been so, so many, many articles written and things I've read over the last couple of years about how we're living in the post-Christian society. That we are literally, you know, not that everyone was a Christian, but the Christian influence on the culture was such. Right. That right. now right. we are in a very much a post-Christian society that, to be very honest with you, mirrors the Roman society. You know, it's bread all about bread and, it, bread it's, and, it's bread and circuses. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Right. It, it really is. And, you know, from... Our current political environment to whatever this deal in Austin is all about, right. whatever this guy in Austin, Texas, is mm -hmm. all about with the bombs. 
Well, I think I, I think people have to yeah. worry. I, I think people have to worry about achieving your goal, especially if it's kind of a spiritual thing. Because I played golf religiously, uh, three, four times a month. I put a lot into it. Um, I was never very good, a '90s hitter, um, but I had a hole in one. I'd love to be in the '90s. I was sitting there thinking that I, same thought. I had, I had a hole in one. And, and what made it better, even better, was the best man in my wedding was in the tee box. Oh, right. <laughs> and, I, and I turned to him, I go, now I don't have to tell you about it. <laughs> Take that. But after that, I was playing fairly crappy, hit the hole in one, played crappy the rest of the night. You, you know what I'm saying? And the thing about it is people say, man, you must really were excited about going out again. No. I realized how much luck oh. it really was, and it almost extinguished my desire to play golf. Now I just play golf every once in a while. I, I was about to say, well, I used to, and, I can't, and, that's, that's what people would say, that's what keeps me coming back. I know, I, and, and you know what, and see, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing, when you get to the top of the mountain, you realize it was the people, the relationships that you made along the way that were far more enjoyable That's right. than that yeah. mountaintop yeah. experience. That's right. Well, and, and sometimes when you, when you get to that point, my, my younger son made a comment to me. So two years ago or a year ago, when University of Houston played Louisville, when they were like number six in the nation and we beat them, Mm -hmm. on campus he was in the student section and he rushed the field mm -hmm. well we played Cincinnati in basketball this season and beat them on a Saturday when they were like the number five team in the nation and he got to storm the court and his exact words to me as he walked off my college experience is now complete right. because I have rushed the field and stormed the court. Right. <laughs> well, I mean... And, 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 and he's kind of like, okay, I'm ready to graduate. Right. And think, and think about it. Is. And, and think about it. Think about it. How many, how many people that actually have college degrees brag about it? Basically none. None of the people that I know. But all of them were talking about it before they got one. And none of them talk about it now that they have them. Or, it, it's or, a or not or, or not many. It's it's a checkbox. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now, has a talent development professional, a college degree, unless you are in a specific a base bachelor's degree, college degree. Okay, let, let's level set that. Right. Um, unless you are in a specific field such as engineering, basically is the checkbox that yes, you have enough to persevere and we will talk to you. Right, right. You have to almost get to your master's or beyond degree for it to mean anything. And actually right now in talent development, we're actually viewing certifications as more important actually than college degrees. Right, right. Well, okay. Sorry to have that rabbit hole, uh, no, Kyle. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll turn it back to the moderator. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, because it will come up anyway, because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Oh, I was going to say, the, because... Because the book itself, I mean, you, what, what you're getting at is, is that's, I mean, he, the beginning we taught and we had a great discussion about bullying and right. this is what you got to stand up for. This is, you know, it's not, it's not in many ways your degrees or your, it certainly should work for your goals. No, I, I don't want, but 
what's, what's important, what's really important is your holiness. Well, it's it's um, where you draw the line. And, and, and yes, yeah, but, but that's, sure. but that's, uh, that's where, uh, that answers the question of where do I draw the line. I'm, right. I, I, and, and it comes to my, my, the integrity of my relationship with God and with Christ. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's where the priorities line up. Um, that's, you know, other people will fight for other things. Um, but, you know, the, the, you don't, look, don't look to the culture, to get back to what you're saying, to tell you that holiness is important. Oh, no, 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 you'll never get it. It'll never happen. Don't look for that, for that to be validated. I, can, 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 I yes, go, okay. can I go a little off the rails here? Okay, you know? okay. <laughs> don't look to the church culture to tell you what's holy either at this point. Oh, <laughs> smack right in. I think our rent is paid up at least till the end of this podcast. But, 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 but <laughs> I, I've, heard, I've heard Pastor Taylor even discuss, it's not about the church. It is about the holy living God, who's. Death, well, I think I think when you're mature, when personally, okay, when you're mature in your faith, yes, I think you can come in and like me, I hit the door. I, of course, I have religious moments when I'm out in my vehicle, but when I really feel immersed, I come in the door. There can be nobody here, and there's just a stained glass or just the sanctuary. I do feel a religious experience. Well, there's that separate. That's that apartness. There's that holiness. I think the certainly that's that separateness or that set set apart. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't feel the same every Sunday, right? If you guys are like me, sometimes they're just phenomenal in church. Right. You hear everything the preacher said. You remember it. Everything. Then there's other times when you're you're having trouble focusing. And you're having trouble remembering the dream there for the Lord in your life and everything else. I mean, I know. You know, I had a rough afternoon. Just. You know, getting stuff done. I didn't want to come tonight. You know, huh. it just point blank. You know, there's no you know shame in that. It's just I had a rough day and was like, you know, if I wasn't committed to this, I would have skipped. Well, and you know? and now now let's touch that. That's part of holiness. Mm-hmm. Is being that committed. dedication, right? That Absolutely, that's correct. That's correct. That, but if that, I wasn't, yes, know, sponsoring or whatever, leading this. Right, this lesson, and it was just a regular old Sunday that we're out of somebody else's book. I would have probably. Said, uh, okay, well, know. here's the, here's the and, difference. And that, well, that goes into you know, that goes into holiness and leadership. Yeah, see, the, 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 the difference time. with me is I couldn't wait to get here because I was just around a bunch of downer people <laughs> at work. You have been. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm serious, and it, I'm kind of like defending. My own independence is getting away from the negativity. And I'm telling you, if, if there was any more groupthink out there, uh, we'd all be singing the same propaganda songs. I mean, I hear on the radio something, and then, from I, then I go to work and I hear the same thing from five different people, five different ways. And I don't care about any of them. You know what I'm saying? And it's all just depressing. And it's enough that I have to get my get myself up to be positive and to be motivated mm-hmm. and to make a difference in this world. And you know what? And then to have people like that, I'm just, I couldn't wait to get here. I'm serious. It's just. So I, were you, were you going to talk about the David, the mighty man himself? Yes, yes. Please. That, that is Because <laughs> right. I was looking forward to that. That, that is actually <laughs> next. So uh, David Nabashai. 
Yes. Right. Um, so yeah, we uh, I, I had fun with uh, with the Wiz with Mike uh, Redding. Yeah. Um, I, I had him read the actual scripture, which has a yeah. whole lot of crazy names in it. And yeah, he asked me if I was just being torturous, and of course, you know, yeah, right. a little bit, maybe yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But right. yeah, all right. So um, uh, you know the what he's referring to the the author goes into um, where are we battle for holiness. Um, that he subtitles this one, and he's talking about uh, you know one night while uh, David and some of his guys were running from King Saul, um, they end up having what he called a, a heart wrenching decision. Um, they ended up noticing that the king had gone to sleep, and there was an opportunity to get into the camp. And David was there, or you know David said to what three guys I think as it as it says. Who wants to go with me? We're going into camp. And here's that battle thing, man. You're sneaking right. in behind enemy lines. And um, Bill doesn't sneak. <laughs> oh, no. I kind of imagine the bull in the china shop a little bit with Bill. But, you know, you know the bullhorn maybe. Wow. You know, I'm coming. Uh, but anyway, they, they get there and uh, everybody's asleep. And Abishai looks over at David and says, Can I? They get right up next to Samuel. Well, and, and this is right. in 1 Samuel chapter 26, just yes. to wow. kind of reference yes. it. Yes, uh, 26, 5 through 11. Right. Actually, yes. Um, exactly. And so he, they get right up next to him, right at his head. And well, Abishai... and, and, and picture right, because I, I read the scripture real quick. So David had gone to sleep and basically took his spear and stuck it in the ground next to his head. So. Saul, oh, sorry, 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 yeah, Saul yeah, had okay. All of them were out yeah. cold. Yeah, all of them were out cold. But Saul's spear was basically right next to Saul in the ground, sitting there. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, Abishai says, can I? I will strike once. I will it's not like, strike twice. It's like, dude, I'll do this so good, he won't even wake up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, actually, why don't we do it justice? Bill, you're really good at that. Why don't you read the... Scripture. All right. Let's see here. And actually did the justice of God. All right. Uh, Then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had laid down. Saul was lying inside the camp with the army encamped around him. David then asked Amalek, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around here. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. 
you know, again. So the thieves. Huh? I didn't think of this the other Sunday. Go ahead and finish the thought because I want to raise a question about that, about what happened there. <laughs> you know, so they're right there at his fingertips, sleeping. How easy would it be just to finish it? You know? Well, no, that, the spear's but, right well, there. Well, well, he embarrassed him, <laughs> well, embarrassed him by stealing his spear, though. He said, how easy to finish it, to end the pain, we're running, how much did it have to take, not only for David, but for Abishai to listen to David? Yes. Yeah, but he got bragging rights, though. He's got his spear. He's yeah, got his water I, I jug. I see that. But, you know, if I was in Abishai's sandals, I could have taken you out. I don't know if I would have even asked. could have taken you out. Well, and, and I think Bam, that, I think that, that speaks a lot to a holiness battle. Because where we often get into the most trouble is we don't stop and think. Or stop and ask, yeah. and Absolutely. the fact that he did that actually brings forth a major well, point in the battle. That up on Sunday, I brought. That he followed his leader, the yes. general, right. followed right. the right. admiral, right. whatever right. the chain of command. He followed his line of command. Right. No, that wasn't me that brought that, was, that, that up. No, that was that was your statement. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to take credit. I wasn't going to take credit. That was your And and he didn't because he did not. He did not. He, he, he had officers discipline there. Um, it's, it's an interesting story because, because we don't know exactly why David went down into the camp to begin with. That's We're right. not told what the what the purpose is. What was the thought behind? That? I mean, he's going he's going in, and they yes, know him. Was and you know, and and they, he gets a report there. He's down there. So again. We don't, well, you know, you can speculate on the reasons, but he, and we were kind of laughing about this. He takes his spear and water. He's sending a message. Saul is going to wake up absolutely. and know that somebody, somebody walked into the Absolutely. It's, and and, and, and taking it home. Captured and, the spear, but, baby. Yeah, but, capture the flag. But think, yep. think, of, think of, you know, think of all the mafia movies you've seen. There's always a scene now where, where the one, you know, the, the, you know I'm not, somebody says, I'm not afraid of you, and he says, I can get to you anytime I want. Right. And, and, and essentially, if Saul gets the message, it's kind of literate, true, the grace of God. I had you. It keeps no, you right there. Um, <laughs> David knew that it was the grace of God that got him in there by him, mm -hmm. and the grace of God can take care of Saul later, and David mm -hmm. doesn't have to. Right? Well, right? Yes. I mean, he knew yeah, that. That's a good and, message. And, and it may be that he went down to kill him, and then God <laughs> reminded him just when he was picking up the spear and everything, because. This happened another time when they were in a cave. Mm -hmm. David walked up right behind Saul, cut off a tassel of his garment. Remember, you all remember <laughs> yeah. that? And yeah, then David, the Holy Spirit, convicted him. He said, I felt so bad. David says, I felt so bad because mm -hmm. God can take care of him better than I could ever take care of him. Well, see, that is a condition that men uniquely wrestle with. And that Absolutely. is... When to do it. Uh, regret and forgiveness if you have you take revenge on someone you feel good for like 10 seconds mm -hmm. and then you regret it the rest of the time you forgive someone that have done you wrong you feel bad for 10 seconds 30 seconds but then you step farther away you feel better and that's the you know i i look at it as in in, in 
and Robert, you can correct me because you might know the scripture better. David, David probably did not was not a natural enemy of Saul. No, Saul, no. Saul was the bo- was his boss or was his, was his mentor yes. who suddenly one day decided, I'm jealous like of you. I'm going to make. It, it, think of it as an office situation when the when the jerk at the end of the hall decides he does not like you and he's going to well, make your they're, life. They're hell. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what Saul does. Says him all around all around <clears throat> Israel and they, Judea and um and and really David David does not want to make war on this guy. He has to. He's, he's mostly hiding. And you know, and yeah, the most convenient thing is let me get rid of this guy once and for all. I'm holding. Gee, look at this. I'm holding this guy's expense report, and I see that. And I was on that trip, and he did not take a client down to Killian's Steakhouse and spend five hundred dollars with him. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, right. set this up. Yeah, that's a, that's a, so that's a low and, price and, for and, Killian's. And, by and, the way. I know, but I'm, yeah, I'm so, yeah, and, and yeah, but, but literally, it's 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 he he he, he forbears that. Yeah, but well, you know what? That might have been why it was so easy for David to get into the camp. Well, because everybody knew, everybody so, knew Saul was a jerk to David, and everybody liked him. Well, and and and, <laughs> you know? and, and I think there's a easy lesson to slip here. in, easy to slip out. Because there is actual biblical scholarly research that seems to indicate Saul may have actually had a bipolar disorder. That that mm-hmm. may have been. Some, there's talk of the evil spirit that would overcome That's Saul. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's and right. David, one of David's job was to play the heart. And you know, at one point, right. Saul. David's sitting there playing, and Saul's all... And then he grabs a spear and tries to stab him. <laughs> you know, all at once. And so there's a lot of discussion there that Saul may have actually suffered some sort of mental disorder. Right. And how much more holy is it for David to, A, I'm not touching God's anointed, mm-hmm. which is his mm-hmm. statement, but even more so showing the holiness of compassion at that moment. That You know what? Saul just can't help himself. Yeah, he's run all of us. You know, and... Abishai, I can't never say this guy's name, but the mighty man that's with David, how much holiness does he show with restraint? Because, okay, David's out running around and these guys have been forced to exclude themselves from society. They're out running around. The the nearest comparison, if anyone has ever been out in the hill country of Texas, the hill country of Texas is very much like the Middle East and that area. You know, the land flowing of milk and honey is what they call it. But, yeah, if you've ever been out in the hill country of Texas, compared to other areas in that area, it is. But it is still rocky and hilly and hot and dusty. And these guys aren't in the good valleys. They're having to hide out in the towns. And Abishai is part of this group who has basically, they're, they're out there having to hide all the time and stay away from everything. And... And I'm kind of like you, you know, I'm amazed to even stop to ask. <laughs> you know, my God, I'm tired of sleeping in a cave. <laughs> Boom, done. You know? Oops, David, um, should I? Oh, I'm sorry. I already did. But Oops. the fact that he, that he showed enough respect for David mm-hmm. to stop and look. You know, as well as David's well, respect back on the holy. You know, again, the the picture that we don't ever get is you know sitting around the camp or just before you leave to go out on battle or you know whatever. Uh, how much did these guys stop and pray to God? You know, how much holiness was shown within their own encampment and everything to 
for these guys to realize, oh, wait, David is anointed by God. You know, so maybe he has a little more insight than what I do, and that's why Abishai would have asked. You know, and they never go into that, which kind of surprises me. Well, now yeah. I'm wondering if he didn't have Nathan or one of them prophets traveling with them at that point. Because Nathan is most yeah. definitely in, in David's life later. Yes, and uh, yeah. was Samuel there? Or was, could Samuel be there? Or was Samuel just kind of Samuel, chronicling this whole I think Samuel was either dead at dead, that point. Yeah, because it's or, towards the end of yeah. Saul's life. All right, Kyle, go ahead and give us some uh, takeaways uh, from this lesson and maybe an uh, insight into the next one. Um, let me see, where am I at here on, uh, on some of my notes? I had some decent things here. Um, you know, we already use the holiness that we have inside of us, you know, to make the world a better place. You know, now as men, it's not, uh, as Bill says, you know, all flowers and muffins or brownies or something or another that, you know, but uh, it makes man a better place. Um, and it's supposed to pour out of us, you know. Um, as men of God, we are to be inwardly and outwardly holy and pure. In this secular world, that is, you know, hard to do. As money does drive our world, you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, well, money and sex, y'all talked about that last week. Well, right, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, money, see, drive, I'm a married money guy, drives so. the world, yeah. and it's, it's hard not to go after it. Sex is thrown around like a toy everywhere, you know. Um, drugs can be gotten anywhere and everywhere. You know, some of those things that can take you down a bad rabbit trail, you know. A uh, place where you shouldn't be, you know. Power on itself. Everybody loves a little bit of power, some control. It's just a, a you know political chair away. You know, all you have to do is go after it. But the problem is, is at what price, right? You know, that's where you start to sacrifice yourself. Uh, I've met plenty of people early on in a political career that had wonderful ideas and great moral value, and now today I wouldn't say the same thing. You know. Um, You know, if we're going to find and maintain our personal holiness, we have to stay pure and true to God, ourselves, our family, our world, and the world around us. You know, um, so again, it's a struggle and a battle that I go through every day to fight for my own personal holiness. You know, to truly understand what God is about and how that's supposed to affect me. And it's something I'll continue to for the rest of my life. As we said earlier, it's it's not something I don't think I'm ever going to obtain. I may understand more and more as I go, but to understand truly what holiness is, I don't know if I ever will until I get to until I get to heaven. Well, you know? with me, it's it's a journey. Not only is it a journey, but it's enjoyable. I look forward to it. I look forward in to the uh, opportunity to be an individual, and I I feel the more. Holy, I strive to be through my work and my worship and that kind of stuff. The better I am, the the more I enjoy it, and, and I feel like protecting it. This is my independent journey that <clears throat> is different from everybody else's, but I'm realizing the blessings along the way, and it cheers me up. It's not a downer. Well, I, I'm going to have to go with Kyle. I think this is one of those, as we've moved more and more into the 
secular society, and you guys have really talked all around it every week with the technology and the ease of access of things we have and just the fact that it's not part of our culture anymore. It, it's a battle. And it is a journey. And, and, and there is some joy in the journey, though. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... I think where a lot of people in life get really down and don't enjoy it is they don't enjoy their journey of life. And they don't under they, they think and and God help me, we're dealing with millennials now. And and so many of them think they're gonna walk into an office and if you're a millennial, no offense, you're not all like that. I know this is a generalization, but they walk into an office and they think, two years from now I'm gonna be the CEO sitting in the big chair and making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and yeah, I just graduated from college, and they don't realize that there's a that life's a journey, and that you have to go through that journey, and enjoy the journey as you're a part of it. Well, because the journey is just, also a battle. The journey, which guys the journey, like the battle. We the, like the, the, the journey, the journey Absolutely. is a battle that you have to enjoy. Mm-hmm. The the battle is. And, and I think this comes back to where we started, the battle for the righteous cause and the battle for the righteousness. You know, it puts us back into that perspective and enjoy it. Right, right. Michael, any uh, final words? Yes, yeah. Just, uh, folks, if you, if you don't quite understand what we're saying when we say live holy or do righteous, I, I think the key here is to try and strive to do the things that you know are right, especially when you're in a situation where you could do otherwise. If the boss is yelling at you and you haven't done anything wrong and you want to tell them off, the, the, the right thing in this situation may not be to tell off the boss or to tell off your brother or sister or whoever it is, but to hold back and, and, uh, and accept it and do um, something that would be meek, something that Jesus would do. So when you're, when you're faced with circumstances and when you're faced with what's, what's right to do, that's that's what leads to holiness and that you do sometimes you do things that you would not ordinarily do uh, if you lose your temper and and uh, if someone attacks you and uh, the the author here one of the guys mentioned this earlier true masculinity is not found in gratifying our base desires and again they've mentioned money power and sex folks that's nothing more than denying our new, new identity and allowing our flesh to rule our heart but true masculinity is found in the person of Jesus Christ and our identity in Him. Every day of our life, we must grow in the knowledge of our holy God, and every day we must fight against our fleshly appetites that drive us to conform to our culture rather than to the holiness of the God who we serve. Excellent, excellent. Steve did. I, I can't add anything to that. That, that really <laughs> defined what... <laughs> what we started asking at the outset. Yeah, yeah. we've been talking about the whole uh, thing. That's someone in that's this right. room. That's, that's, right. that's got to be close to a verse. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So I'll take my last second to throw us into the next chapter. That's exactly what I wanted uh, to do. Lesson number seven uh, for us, which will be chapter six uh, in the book, Every Man, uh, Six Battles Every Man Must Win. Uh, we're going to talk about fighting for your family. You know, oh yeah. Um, so that's going to be the wife or girlfriend, or uh, and then of course the the children and the rest of the family. So uh, that's fighting for, but not with. There you <laughs> go. I, 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 I was, I was going to play on Mike's thing of tell off the boss, <laughs> and you know if that's the wife. 
you may want to rethink that, but you know, hey, uh, we'll get into that one next week. <laughs> so when well, you want to fight with your spouse, you don't. Is well, that actually, I never want to, but she she makes me. Uh, all right, this has been the uh, Man Up Podcast number 48. We're so glad that you were here. Uh, here is Sugarland, Texas, Sugarland Baptist Church. We are on Man Dash Up on Facebook, also on iTunes, on SoundCloud. If you have a question, just post it to our Facebook page at Man Dash Up, and we will try to bring ultimate clarity to it next Wednesday at our podcast. And if you're ever in Sugarland or Houston, Texas, stop in and join the Man Up uh, Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. On behalf of Man Up, my name is Bill Cox. I invite each and every one of you to join a Bible-based church. Get involved. Get involved in a men's only adult Bible fellowship. And if there isn't one, start it. This is Man Up. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.